Welcome to What's Left, the weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. I'm Eduardo Barca, with co-host, teacher and socialist Andy Lipson and community organizing and socialist Kenny Cepeda. We are online at what-s-left.webnote.com. Please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications and share your favorite episode wherever you found this episode. Thank you. Um, well, today uh, we will um, follow up with our uh, dear Dr. Andrew Lipson to, <laughs> I love saying Dr. Andrew Lipson, to bother. Uh, <laughs> um, our Andy, a uh, very own co-host Andy on his, uh, the updates on what has been going on with this continuous um, targeted attack towards a worker. Uh, um, and he's a science teacher at Mission High School here in San Francisco. Um, and to follow up with just basically what's going on in San Francisco as it relates to COVID mandates and uh, all of the above. Yeah. Go ahead, Andy. Why don't you fill us in? Yeah, this is um, episode three, really, uh, from when we first started, where I wasn't, where I have not been talking about the the drama between me and the district as it relates to me essentially saying my medical information is my private information, you know, essentially citing my HIPAA rights and what are California confidentiality um, on medical information. There's medical information act, things like that. Um, and also expressing concern about them um, using that medical information by disclosing it to either people in the district, uh, including parents potentially, as well as, um, sharing it on smart sheets, um, which means it can just go everywhere. Um, since that's the way this, this is the vaccination form that they said that they wanted me to fill out, which I said, I'm not going to fill out. Um, and there's been a, a, a series of progressive discipline steps I've been put to written reprimand one written reprimand two. Uh, and now I'm in the process and have now been entering a process, getting closer to suspension. Um, currently I've, I'm, I've, I'm put on what's called administrative leave. So this week, I Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday and Friday, I won't work as well. That's paid leave um, prior to what's going to be a hearing. Um, but as you remember from last episode that I talked about this, I had a hearing before that. And I want to say a little bit about that before I get into the bigger update. Um, so that hearing uh, is, a, is, a, is a hearing with a district lawyer. Um, where you, well, I, I was going to be asked questions. I assumed I was going to be asked about my vaccination status and stuff like that. And if I understood that, that it's being required, um, things like that. Um, and, and out of that hearing, if, if I suppose if they don't get the information they want, they will then decide to proceed with, go forward with the suspension. Um, and that hearing was interesting. I, I first noted the process problems. That is the fact that in my opinion, the district has really run very quickly through progressive discipline, essentially moving on to written reprimand two, even though I have a grievance filed for written reprimand one, moving on to the suspension, even though I have a grievance filed for written reprimand one and written, written reprimand two, all of those really, I believe, should be honored and moved in from step one to step two to step three through those. And they're just kind of, I'm in all sorts of steps. So essentially, I was having a meeting with the with the lawyer, with the district lawyer, on the same day, and before I was having another meeting with another person in the district that relates to my written reprimand one. So, instead of being in progressive 
discipline going from one step to the next step to the next step, the district is essentially putting me in multiple steps simultaneously and just moving on regardless of grievances that I put forward around individual steps. Um, and so I noted that in the beginning and she noted that as well and just said, we disagree about whether or not we're doing this properly or not. Um, and this is what the district representative said. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think the real thing was, you know, basically wanting me to ultimately the whole thing was to say, will you, or will you not reveal your vaccination status to us? Um, and I said, I said two things because pretty consistently one, I am not going to fill, I, I'm not going to fill out the vaccination form that you are submitting because it's smart all that information. Say again, smart sheets. Yeah. That's smart sheets thing. And number two, um, I, I would say I am, I am utilizing my right of privacy that is recognized by the federal government through HIPAA and by the state of California through CMIA confidentiality, conf, the California confidentiality Med medical information act. Um, so I, I did not really say yes or no. I would just give those sorts of answers um, to her, to the, the repeated request or ask asking of that question. Um, of course, they said this information is important for safety and stuff like that. I talked about the pan the danger of the pandemic. Um, I challenged that a little bit. I mean, I challenged that some in terms of saying, well, if we're going to talk about that. Then we can talk about do these vaccines actually work and things like that. Um, uh, but um, in terms of affecting transmission and, and then things like that. So, uh, but that wasn't really the, the most, so basically they just kept asking that same question. Are you, gonna, are you gonna give this information up? And then there was a point where this caught me by surprise. Um, and this might be worth talking about here. We'll see, because it led to some interesting conversations with you, Eduardo, where for a moment they were saying, well, is there another form that you could give it in? Could you say it to us here? Or could you submit it to somebody verbally? And I was taken up by surprise by them asking that because admittedly, I don't want to put it on smart sheets and I don't want to put it in their form. I don't think they have the right to that information. Um, but I, I, I was like sort of torn when they said that. So what I ended up saying was, I'm, I said, maybe, but I need to see it in writing um, that what is being, what will be done with this when I, who will have access to it and what will be done with it. And they said the one group that, that they will say will have access to it, that they assured me would have access to it is the San Francisco department of public department of public department of health. Um, so it's like, I, I don't, you know, I'm not fine with that, but it is what it is. They're doing this for like this tracking stuff. Um, and, Oh, I also, I also, we, we argued over um, the language of the August 11th, um, state directive where I cited the fact that, look, this thing says clearly uh, if, if you, if they don't, if the, per, if the person doesn't give your documentation, then you must assume they're vaccinated, you know? And they said, well, look where somewhere else it says we must verify your status, which is true. There's two musts in that document, uh, but they are highlighting the one where it says that they must verify the status of their employees. And I'm highlighting the part where it also says, you must assume that I'm unvaccinated if I don't give you that documentation. So um, they're ignoring one part and I'm ignoring the other part, <laughs> you know, or rather I'm saying that this part when put in com combination with the other part essentially means I can do this. And this, you, you have no basis for terminating me on the basis of me not filling out this information. You can just assume I'm un unvaccinated. That was if I don't California state law. 
Say again? That was California state's law. Yeah. And it was, it was based on that health and safety directive um, mm -hmm. from California. So that's, a, again, that's an area where the, we, the, the district and I disagree. Um, so um, like I said, there was this moment where they said, could a deal be struck? And in fact, we left, we ended the meeting. I didn't give them verification of anything. Um, and I think my representative, I had a union representative there, thought that we might be able to strike a deal. And that's when you and I, Eduardo, talked about, should I do such a thing? Um, and I think I came to the realization that if, if I can really cut down their ability to spread that thing, if I can get it in writing, like that I just put it as a written thing in my file, it would be worth it to give that information over. It would be worth it. Um, and I think, Eduardo, you were the one who made the most compelling argument to me. Because to, to give this information, if nothing else, then to get through this, I will have given something, the district will have given something. It's somewhat of a stalemate over this particular fight, but it puts me in a situation where I know I'm pretty sure in January, they're going to be mandating people get jabs and there's going to be no PCR option. That would put me in a position where I can actually do organizing with a larger set of people. Because right now I'm only on my own on this fight. Um, and I think Eduardo, that was an argument you made. I talked to Jake about it. He, he thought that was a good argument. Brandy thought that was a good argument. Um, and I think it, at the end of the day, um, it, it, I was convinced that if, if they made any sort of attempt to cut off the ability for this to be shared with Mark Microsoft or with other, with parents in the district, if I could confine that and I just verified it and had it written in my file and not electronically somewhere, then that would be a worthwhile compromise essentially. Um, and, um, so I guess we haven't talked to Kenny about that. I'd be curious what he would think because I'm Eduardo. And if you want to say something about it, Eduardo, you, I think would be, now would be the time. I just will just um, state that it was for me, it was very, very important that I didn't even know I was going to draw that conclusion when you called me. And it was important that you, that you acknowledge that you've gotten this far and now that you know that they're going to mandate it eventually, even for folks who are right now having the option to test, that it'd be best if you just, yeah, you just um, were a part of a larger team so that you were able then to fight as a, as a, as a group, as a, as a, as a team, as a, you know, um, even if it means one more, it makes 10 instead of nine. So uh, I don't really know how many people are unvaccinated right. and I don't really know how many of them are going to fight or how they're going to try to stay as quiet as possible because I know some friends who don't want to come forward and they're unvaccinated and they're educators. So, um, and if under duress, they might even just take the jab. Who knows? Right. So anyhow, that was my argument. Um, yeah, I mean, one thing that I, I heard, I think in one of the videos that someone posted to the group that we have, um, was uh, a teacher in Santa Barbara saying uh, something along the lines that they want to get rid of dissenting voices, you know, and that seems to me to be part of this first wave, at least, of pressure. You know, uh, I don't know if it's by design or, you know, it's a, uh, just a convenient uh, thing for the powers that be, but uh, this is not where it's going to stop. I think we made that argument, you know, um, they're probably going to mandate more stuff, you know, and, and these technologies, these pressure, these structures are here to stay, in my opinion. And so, yeah, I think I, I see validity to what Eduardo and other people are saying that if you're out, you're out. How, how are you going to organize? You know, they get rid of you. And um, 
you know, and it, so it's, um, yeah, that, that to me is kind of what you need to wait. Um, and uh, whether, you know, just being kick, getting kicked out is beneficial for the long term. Uh, when you, if, you've, if you're able to find a way to stay in there, right? And, and um, so, yeah, uh, I would consider that because um, otherwise it's kind of like you are in the world on your own, like swimming and finding, trying to find an island, you know, at that point. Yeah. Even though your island is pretty alone, right? That's <laughs> you're the only person in your island. But well, and like what I would what I would ask is, one could then make the state argument. Well, then why not just quote? And this actually, I think if somebody made this to me. Well, why not just sign this and have that fight there? <clears throat> sign the like the just do the form. I mean, I think the other brought that up. I, uh, I mean, I think you you you're right to fight it. You know, uh, because it is not just about like the imposition, it's about privacy, it's about, you know, um, coercion and, um, you know, and whether there is pushback. And I think, um, um, I think that you, for example, you will be a very important voice, uh, you know, like a needed voice as things move along, you know, as, um, and uh, I mean, you're more than on record you know, and this gives you credibility for, you know, possibly mounting another fight and be like, look, I've been telling you, I fought this, right. you know, and so and you, you're on record, you know, you've made it public, you, you didn't just fall into it, you know, and, um, and, and I don't think you are necessarily, you're, you know, it's kind of a stalemate, like, uh, if you're able to get to that point. But. Correct. I think if, if there's a deal struck, it becomes a little bit more of a worthwhile compromise. But if there's no deal, then I think I personally believe for me, I, I feel like I need to take this to its logical conclusion, regardless, particularly because and I think we talked about this in the first episode, because I don't actually know who's going to be there to, to wage that fight around the vaccine, around the, the vaccine mandate. If I did know, then I would be organizing with those people now and we would be discussing what I should be doing. I don't have those people around me right now. And, and honestly, like to me, this has been a lesson to watch you do this, um, you know, because uh I think that, think that in itself um, shows the necessity of resistance to expose things. Yeah. You know? And, um, you know, like, uh, and uh, obviously we had that episode of, you know, where is your line? And you're drawing a line. But it seems like everyone seems to think they have a line, but their lines keep getting pushed and pushed and pushed, yeah. you know. And, and, the, and, and if you don't have an example of how to stand, you know, to stand your ground, then you know so that's why i find your you know your your you sharing us with us what you're doing and what's happening uh, very important yeah Eduardo, do you have anything else to say or should i no i think we should continue i think what's interesting is the 164 page document they gave you <laughs> <laughs> yes okay so i'll get to that then um so essentially i left that meeting with the potential of a deal being struck right um and um and then that was Thursday. Uh, and then Friday, I heard from my union representative saying, there ain't no deal being struck. Uh, apparently, that that lawyer was probably speaking out of school, uh, was basically offering something that they were not in a position to offer. Um, and the district is not interested in that. And um, unless you are going to give up your information, then you should be, you're going to be facing a, a suspension. Or you're going to get some sort of documentation. And and, and then, I, so I expected, I told even some of my students, I'm not going to be back here on Monday. Um, 
And then I heard from my union rep as I'm driving home on Friday, like, we haven't got any documentation from the district. I think you should be going to school on Monday. <laughs> so this is how it is. It's like, and I'm like, well, this is crazy, you know? Um, and then that Friday night, uh, the, then the, the document we're going to look at dropped the, uh, what is called the proposal for the 30 day suspension, the 162 page, uh, you know, piece of literature describing uh, what I've done wrong, the charges against me, as well as attachments to it um, and describing, you know, why I should face a 30 day suspension unpaid if I don't do something, give up the information, fill out the form, whatever. Um, and well, release my medical information. And, um, and so that was interesting. I mean, I have to say it was like, Whoa, this is a lot of pages. I, you know, and, and um, we're going to take a look at some of the stuff and it's all documented emails. I've sent emails. They've sent CTA stuff, UESF stuff, previous things I've done, um, which we'll talk about. And then of course the first 10 pages are kind of a summary of the charges, a description of how they arrived at those charges. And then, the consequences uh, are in there and I will go over some of that too. Um, and, and what that put me in this position of is, and it basically said, okay, you have 10 days um, starting from this Monday to this Friday to ask for a hearing. Um, and if you ask for a hearing, then, then we'll have what's called a Skelly hearing, which will decide, will I be suspended? Will I be suspended for 30 days, 15 days? Will I not be suspended? Would we, will we reach a deal? Will the Skelly hearing find in favor of some of the claims I'm making? That seems unlikely because these things often are rubber stamps unless you can really build pressure. Um, but I'm going to put that in play. Um, and and until then, I'm on, until that hearing, I'm on paid leave, administrative leave. So, so that's, so that, that, that's where we're at right now. So that hearing is optional or is it happening? It's, it's optional. Like, let's say I said, you know what? I don't even want that Skelly hearing. Then the suspension would start pretty much immediately. Like I basically, I'm basically admitting guilt or something, or at least I don't want to argue about it. Um, and, uh, but if I do ask for a Skelly hearing, then, and it, and they have to honor that, then, um, then we do that. And then once that hearing goes, the, the results of that hearing are going to decide, am I suspended? Am I not suspended? And who would, uh, you know, facilitate that hearing? Who would be the people? The district will be there. I have been given a, um, a, a union lawyer that I'm going to be working with, and I actually had a conversation with that person, and that, no, I, was, I was glad about that. Um, uh, paid for by the CTA, which we'll be talking about, about the CTA earlier, later here. Um, and um, it's going to be me, my lawyer, the district. I don't know who hears it. Like, that's the question. I don't really know the answer. That's what I was There's an impartial, you know, judge of sorts. Um, but, yeah. I, I, I'm kind of assuming it's a district person <laughs> who's in, who will claim impartiality. That's, but I don't really know, I'm guessing. Are people allowed to attend? I don't know, but I, I don't think I would I want to. Yeah. I don't know if I would. I don't know if I would want them to. You don't want us to attend? Yeah, I don't think so. Like, I don't think I want like a bunch of people in the courtroom. It, it just actually only adds strain for me, um, unless there are people who are going to speak to the issue. Um, so, but I don't know the answer to that. Um, so, yes, well, let's get into it. Um, 
So here you go. <laughs> here we're on page. Here's the 162 pages you can see. Um, and D, 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 D. They clearly want to publish it. <laughs> yes. They're ready I, for the whole world. I was, know uh, you're very public. Yeah, I'm going to wait for the movie. So, I, um, <laughs> so note, here's at the very top. Um, notice, notice of proposed suspension um, for 30 days. Um, dear Mr. Libson, I am writing, so I'm just going to read the opening part and then we can get to the discussion from there. I'm writing to give you notice that San Francisco Unified School District intends to suspend you for 30 days without pay from your position as a science teacher at Mission High School. The grounds for your suspension are these, uh, three of them. Number one, immoral conduct. Number two, persistent violation of and refusal to obey the school's laws of the state of California and the reasonable regulations prescribed for the government of the public schools by the San Francisco Board of Education. And number three, willful refusal to perform regular assignments without reasonable cause. Um, I don't know if this other part is, you think this paragraph is, as you're aware? I guess, as you are aware, you were previously advised, this is after the charges, you were previously advised in writing multiple times about the requirement for all district employees to provide their COVID-19 vaccination status and if unvaccinated, to submit to a weekly COVID-19 uh, test. While you have been fulfilling the testing requirement, you have thus fa far failed to share your vaccination status with the district, despite being provided with multiple opportunities to do so. You have stated in an email that you do not intend to share your COVID-19 vaccination status, and you re reiterated this sentiment in your interview on October 14th. That's true. Um, as explained in more detail below, your suspension is based on your continual failure to report your covid 19 vaccination status. All right. So, so the, the factual background, the first part of the factual background is just about your employment with the district. The second is obviously the explanation of the global COVID-19 pandemic. And then third, they have here the district coming to report vaccination status and test weekly unvaccinated. I mean, I do, I have a question like right away from the beginning, the first points. Um, and like, I wanted to start with point three. I can work okay. that way up. Because like it says willful refusal to perform regular assignments. Are they referring to anything else besides, you know, no, like the, what? The, the, the willful refusal that the regular assignment they're saying that I'm willfully, willfully, willfully refusing is to fill out the form. Hmm. And they're saying without reasonable cause. Um, I, I mean, I, um, I think medical privacy is actually a pretty reasonable cause instead of the fact that there's federal federal laws uh, written in favor of it. And there's California law. So in my opinion, number one is absurd. Number three is absurd. Number two, actually you could say is uh, has a basis of reality, which is, I mean, that that's the one that I, it really, but the reason they're putting number one and number three in there is because they're set one, they're setting up, well, this gets to this thing. One, they're trying to set up the threat of dismissal and making it clear. They're trying to make a case that I'm a really awful person out of this, right? Um, number two, so they're trying and they're trying to intimidate me at the same time. Um, I think number two is they know I've been public about my opposition, so I think there's a partial attempt to intimidate others, um, you know, and basically tell, say if you if you take us on on this stuff, we'll smash you like we smash Libson, um, and. Number three that comes to mind is I think there's an implied threat potentially that 
We're going to make a big enough case about you. We're going to give you, we're going to lay this 162 page document and land it on your head. Um, and we, we may use this if we suspend you and terminate you, we may come and actually use this as the basis for challenging with the California credential, uh, body, whether or not you can keep your credential. I think that's in there as well. Um, and, um, that's those are some of the elements that I see here. It's 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 a threat, um, and it's try, they're trying to increase the size and ferocity of the threat to either get me to back down, to get others to hide and run away from me, um, and then to hope and to potentially in the and this is why to my colleagues I I describe this as sort of like blacklist like um, techniques. Mm-hmm. This is sort of modern McCarthyist um, techniques to say. If, will you or will you not admit you're a communist? Will you or will you not admit you're vaccinated? Because if you don't admit that sort of thing, then we have no place for you in this in this workplace. That's exactly what happened with communists who were asked to, um, or you were required to, to describe their political affiliation. Here, I'm being required to describe my medical status as it relates to essentially, do, do you or do you not believe in our marvelous vaccines? you know, from Pfizer, Moderna. And if you disbelieve, then there's something un-American, there's something potentially terroristic about you. You know, you, you represent a biosecurity threat. And these are the kinds of, this is the political terrain, I think, that's being created. That, I, that is not just our district. It's not just my case. This is what I think is happening across the country. Well, I, I was going to come into how Ironic, they talk about, if you look at the factual background and if you look at uh, letter B, it says here that it talks about the uh, global COVID-19 pandemic, no? So they refer to uh, how COVID-19 has spread and it was something that was extremely, to them, contagious effect, infectious disease that can be fatal even though the CDC has continuously reported that mortality rates are low and uh, recovery rates are high. Um, So they say here that uh, the district here in the third paragraph, the district schools remain closed for more than a year, reopening in a limited capacity on the 12th of April, 2021. During the closure of school sites, you, Andrew Lipson, worked remotely. However, you held an in-person gathering for students, some of them in your class. Their siblings and families in Golden Gate Park on the 20th of March, 2021. Pizza was served. <laughs> <laughs> this gathering, by the way, I helped Andy um, organize a bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was served at this gathering. You used your position, this is what they are saying, as a district employee organizing and hosting this gathering. You claimed that you were trying to provide additional in-person, this is the key that I like, additional in-person learning opportunities to your students. But they found, they say here, your conduct was found to be in violation of an order dated the 29th of March, 2021 from the San Francisco Department of Public Health, etc., prohibiting gatherings involving eating or drinking of more than three different households, even though Dolores Park was filled with people at that time. As well, a result, also, and this isn't Dolores Park, though, but you're right. No, you know, this is a park, Golden Gate Park. Golden Gate Park, right. Yeah. 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 So this is what I there. So they're here trying to show show you that you endangered your students. They say here conduct that endangered students 
Jesus Christ, forbidden. And and then if you look at C, they talk about <laughs> the reopening of impersonal meaning because they have come to understand suddenly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Evidence showing that distance learning is not as effective as in-person learning. <laughs> I think we should read that whole paragraph. Like <laughs> it says, all of the district sites reopened for in-person learning on the 16th of August 2021 for the 2021-2022 academic year. This decision was based on evidence showing that distance learning is not as effective as in-person learning for the vast majority of students and that remote school had a significantly adverse impact, something that we had continuously said, and that's the very reason why we organized <laughs> an in-person gathering. And they say, learning for the vast majority of students and the remote school has significant adverse impact on most vulnerable students. So they went from Mr. Libson endangered his students to, well, we've decided that in-person learning actually is better <laughs> for our most vulnerable students. And studies suggest that students of color, suddenly, students of color, there go the props, mm -hmm. students of color, those in foster care, or those who were homeless suffered the most learning loss during school closures. Reopening schools was a public health priority. <laughs> Suddenly it's a public health priority. And in early August, 2021, the White House issued a fact sheet with information on how to safely reopen schools. So this is all about the importance of, of reopening schools, but prior just, B to that, which is the factual background. If you look down there, <laughs> they say that Andy Libson engaged in conduct that endangered students, staff, or others. So what right. is wrong with these people? <laughs> you can't have it both ways. And again, like that, that event was uh, like, consented right by parents and students and they right it was a choice it was not mandated like the vaccine is you know people decided to come to an outdoor event you know that even at the time for their uh you know the cities or the yes so-called so abstract experts you know mm -hmm. uh, being outdoors and, and again i can attest to i am a restaurant worker we were serving people that whole time we never stopped serving people outdoors you know people drinking and eating You know, and and yet, you know, kids were being mandated. They couldn't. You couldn't even have a class outdoors. You know, uh, you know, unless they say so. Absolutely right. Um, and so it's just the hypocrisy and consistency of the so-called experts. You know, in, in these cities, it's appalling. And you know, one more thing to throw in there. You know, and it's just to show the inconsistency that um, we, you know, we can't uh, have unvaccinated people inside a restaurant right now. But you can have 42,000 people, say 10,000 of them drunk at a baseball event. You know, the, the Giants just played a bunch of games with, you know, fully packed stadiums, right? And so it's just, a, you know, the inconsistency, unscientific, you know, approach to all this is just baffling. And, and, and I don't know how people, like, trust the experts. But, again, back to the students. And, and not only that, in the very field trip form that I helped translate for the Spanish speaking community, we had said it was an, if I don't remember correctly, help me here, Andy, it was an out, out of school site during the spring break and that this would 
be not related to school. I mean, it was related in the sense that you were inviting your students, right? But it was separate from the school, right? Yeah, I mean, we it was happening on spring break, and it was not a school-related event. Uh, the district's basically saying, but you were you you got the names of the parents and the students through your job as an employee. So that, that's that's the that's the thread. Um, but yes, um, they uh, they're acting as if. Again, they're 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 glossing over all sorts of things. Of parental consent was gotten in all these cases, and they're ignoring. They're basically saying that it was only true in August that in-person education <laughs> was good for you. Apparently, if you try to do it in April uh, or no March, late March, that then it's unsafe. <laughs> well, they should have added here the the the. The media, the Mission Local, was the only one that reported on well, the. Yeah. <laughs> and again, you know, this goes back to you know, you, we've been consistent. I think you have been consistent, Libsyn. You know, we've had guests um, this show. You know, talking about mental health for kids and stuff, and um, you know that we've uh, cited evidence. You know that uh, has shown throughout the time that you know kids were not as affected. You know. Or like the, the mortality, even the uh, developing the illness was very, very minimal throughout this whole time. And they, uh, these experts knew this all along, right? You know, and they decided to keep schools closed. Um, and 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 then again, suddenly um, you are uh, guilty for doing something for the benefit of the kids, right? And the families too, because I remember you you talking about that uh, event, and families were excited, parents were excited, in partaking right in that in that event. Right. Right. Well, and let's, I mean, I didn't really know we were going to go in this direction, but I'm, I want to do it. I want to stay here. Uh, and I appreciate, Eduardo, that you've brought this out. So, Eduardo, you highlight, highlighted the fact that they cite in this paragraph around the effect, the bad, the negative effect of remote education and the need for in-person education, particularly for the most vulnerable, homeless, people of color, students in foster care. And now let's fast forward a little bit to Governor Newsom and to what California is going to do with vaccination. Who are the students who are who are going to be some of the most vaccine hesitant, who will not be allowed to be in person in public education once they're not vaccinated? It's going to be the students of color. It's going to be the same vulnerable students, students with physical vulnerabilities that mean that they're special they have special education needs, and and parents are not going to want to have those students with autoimmune issues, vaccinated. And you, we can talk about medical exemptions, but there's, those are not being offered. So in, in the very same breath, because here they go, down here, right next paragraph, vaccination is our leading strategy to end the pandemic. And then, so, and then you have to put that next to this, what is it, uh, this study, which just came out, increases in COVID-19, are unrelated to levels of vaccination across 68 countries and 2,947 counties in the United States. Oh my goodness. Basically, show, and, and if they say if there's any correlation, if there's any correlation to be found, and this is a peer-reviewed study, quote peer, I don't give a fuck about peer review, but whatever. It's, it's, it matters to people, to people and YouTube, right. so um, look, they should look at it. Right. It, if they said there's any correlation, there is a slightly higher level of of COVID cases in places with higher levels of vaccination. If there, 
in general, they say there's no correlation. That is unvaccinated and unvaccinated, high, unva high vaccinations uh, countries and counties have the same rough level of, of COVID cases as low vaccinated. But if you were going to draw a correlation based on what they see down here, uh, if you see here, they would say there's a slight trend upward in COVID cases as the population of fully uh, vaccinated increases. But I, I think I look at it and it looks pretty much, there's no trend. So here you have literally scientific evidence that says there's no correlation between the spread of COVID and the vaccine, because we've known that because the vaccine e efficiency or eff efficacy has always been in, in terms of its symptoms. It, and I'm not sure I believe that either, but that's at least the claim that's made by Pfizer and Moderna and those people who did the study. It doesn't and affect we, transmission. And we know Pfizer's vaccine wanes after two months now. Yes. And I'm not sure what it's doing before, but the, <laughs> the, um, but so that very group for a vaccine that has no impact on the possibility of getting COVID is now going to be excluded from education. And then they're going to literally in the same breath, exclude that very same group. And that this is not about my case at this point. I'm just saying this is the complete hypocrisy of these people. And, and unfortunately this is the hypocrisy of CTA which endorses this position, and even UESF, which we'll get into, which endorses this position and says, we need to vaccinate everyone to keep our students safe. Now we're back to keeping them safe by keeping them out of school. Which is what the later says, the district is loving it. When they are, if we look at um, part where they are talking about the CTA, Yeah, it I is not it. only governmental entities that recognize the importance of vaccination and testing for preventing the spread of COVID-19. They're saying it's not only us who are saying it's yeah. the Californian Teachers Association has also recognized that getting vaccinated is the single most important effective layer of protection against being hospitalized or, or dying from COVID-19. It's vital that every elig eligible person get the vaccine to prevent their own serious illness and to help stop the spread of COVID-19. This is the CTA's stance, yeah. California Teachers Association. And then they include the attachment, la la la. So CTA has endorsed California's vaccine mandate for students. <laughs> This is a union. And has stated that it will support the vaccine mandate for school staff. And they love to point out that on a local level, the United Educators of San Francisco UES have actively, quote, actively advocated for a vaccine requirement. They explained that, quote, their, their, their million dollar phrase that they decided to figure out, because we love our communities and care for our students, If they look at this and they probably think I'm mocking them, whatever. We believe that all of SFUSD employees should be required to get vaccinated for COVID-19. Anyone who is unable to get vaccinated must be tested for COVID-19 once a week. So bottom line, get vaccinated or get tested, no exceptions. And they include an attachment of UESF protocols, COVID-19 protocols. But their position is that, look, we are not the only ones. It's UESF saying it. It's the CTA who is saying it. It's we're all in this together because, of course, we love our communities. We love our students. Mm -hmm. So when you told me that the district was or the your union rep was going to go and represent you, I, I honestly thought, oh, good luck. I don't know what they're going to do for you. You know, yeah. I will say and 
Kenny, you want to have something? I just say that my union rep, um, while he, he told me, you know, look, sign the form and get vaccinated. That was his advice. He has, he has expressed concern. He's at least filed the grievances when I asked him to. And he has expressed concern about the process that the district has been proceeding. Um, And he said that the union is a little concerned about that. Do I know how much concern they are? I'm not sure, but what they're being able to get away with in terms of fast tracking me for suspension is something they're going to be using on other members. I guarantee you. And so at the very least, I think he's been alerted now that these people are not playing around. They should really be careful because they might be blinded, but oh, well, Andy's being Andy difficult, get him out, whatever. We don't care. But the process that they're taking will be applied to other members in the future. And it's a precedent. Yeah. You know, the scary thing here is that, you know, I, I do I do believe that, you know, there is people that, that do think right, like that what's happening, you know, Israel and, you know, like exactly how the the experts are saying, but, you know, and the scary thing is that is that, you know, there is very honestly a few voices challenging what the experts are saying and especially educators. Right. Who are supposed to, you know, teach critical thinking. And you mentioned something just a second ago, Lipson, about, you know, correlation and causation. Look, it doesn't, if you're basically educated, you have to take statistics. You know, like if you're a college graduate, you have to take statistics and be able to, you know, question. Because that's the job of, 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 of like experts, you know, to challenge and question to see how biased information may be or might not be. But it, 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 it just seems like, you know, this head fixing has been so efficient it has eliminated scientific process, you know, uh, questioning, especially by the people that are, are supposedly trained on this shit, right? Just to look at, at certain studies that, you know, uh, you know, correlation doesn't mean causation, you know, in, in, in many situations, but no, it, it proves the narrative. It proves the, you know, the fear mongering. And, and so again, going back to the people that are enforcing this stuff, you know, that, that are coming after your head, you know, you know, I'm sure there's people who have doubts and they're still following through, you know. Um, and again, this goes back to the top. It goes back to the lie at the top, because I do think people are acting in good faith, right? Like thinking that they're doing right protecting kids. I do, I do think there's a decent amount of people, you know, but it's, it's just scary how just, you just got to sell some partial truths or complete lies, right? And, and, and you won't be challenged. And um, I think you mentioned in another episode that this is just the beginning, you know, of, of, a, of a new era. Uh, you know, I believe that we're transitioning from Islamic terrorism, right? Like we're, that's done. Now, now we're going bioterrorism. It's more insidious, more omnipresent. And and if, if we're, you know, if again, if we don't, the, if more people keep continuing not challenging, that's the danger of losing people like you and other dissident voices in, 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 in places organized labor is that, you know, where is the challenge going to come from? You know, yeah. I, <clears throat> I mean, the thing I would say is I can just tell you at this point, but my experiences, not just my union leaders, but members around me don't want to hear this stuff. I mean, as, as Eduardo cited in the very beginning, when he noted that the district in this document, talks about, because there's one other problem here when we talk about vaccinating students, um, because we love them, is uh, first that um, that 
when they talk about COVID-19 virus as an extremely contagious infectious disease that can be fatal. Well, how often is it fatal for people between the ages of zero and 20? 99.9, less than the flu. In fact, a, gar a study in, in Europe has already shown that young people between the ages of 11 and 15 have a five to six times greater chance of being hospitalized due to the COVID vaccine than they do of being hospitalized by, hospitalized by COVID. That is through my myocarditis and things like that. So this, this is an attack on students. And the question I feel like has to be answered is why are we, why are teachers, why are teachers unions engaging in this attack on students at the very least? Um, go ahead. Cause I, I think I have it. Well, one answer that I want to go use this document to provide, but go ahead. Uh, we just wanted to add that, you know, even there are countries that are pausing like the Moderna, you know, use uh, on young people, even as old as 24. So 24 and under. Uh, they're stopped. Canada is one of them too, actually. And and remember again, just to highlight the the, the complete disregard for science, you know, in in asking questions is that just get the vaccine. And we've talked in other shows. There is is not the vaccine. There is different vaccines with different consequences, and we don't have long term studies, especially for young kids. We don't know how it might affect them down the line. And you know, and and this is just criminal that you know we're mandating this without you know. Right and. Uh, and when people talk about the vaccine and, oh, we do this for measles, mumps, and rubella, first of all, I, there are people who know there are problems with those. But what is not being talked about is what about what, how different these vaccines are, how those other vaccines were inactivated virus particles and things like that, that were pieces of protein injected into your body. But these vaccines are either mRNA or double-stranded DNA. With either a nanoparticle, a nanoparticle container, or a adenovirus container, they enter your cells and express entirely non-native proteins on the surface of your cells. So they go inside of your cells, and if those mRNAs are red or the double-stranded DNA is red, it produces a spike protein, and that spike protein is going to be hinged onto the surface of your cells. Turns out, the spike protein doesn't just stay there as well. Japanese study shows that it goes other places. It actually seems to cross the blood-brain barrier in some cases or whatever. Um, and, and these things are not just found in muscle tissue and where the, the, the site is, but are found in the spleen and bone marrow and kidneys and in, and in um, ovaries. And, and they say are found in testes. These, um, that, these nanoparticles along with the mRNA uh, thing that's with it. Um, but it is entirely unique to have a vaccine whose method of working is to have this spike protein, the very the very protein that is considered the dangerous part of this virus, expressed on the surface of your cells. And last, like these the people who made it before they before they did anything, before they produced any vaccine, they went to the government and said, we we need to be covered by the PrEP Act so we have zero liability. And they got that. So it it is it is criminal and it is immoral <laughs> what is going on. Um, and of course, the claims of immorality are all against me. Um, and this is, again, the backwards world we li live in. Um, but what is taking place here is high crimes. It, and and I don't I still struggle because I, I, I hear what you say, Kenny, about people have their best intentions. <sighs> 
I, I have to judge to some extent the degree to which people have been driven mad by fear and by cowardice. Their own cowardice and the, and the pushing of fear has, has made them do things that the, the, German, the people of Germany were put, put to a uh, historical shame for, for participating in. That's what's happening. Um, and, and I guess I want to point to one thing like, and I, the CTA kind of knows it here. And I want to show you something in one of the attachments, if I, if I could have a second. So attachment three is the CTA statement. And it's about, it says, talks about the student vaccine requirement. It talks about how, the stu- how essentially the governor has directed the Department of Public Health to follow these procedures um, uh, established by the legislature to add COVID-19 vaccine to other vaccinations required for in-person school attendance such as measles, mumps, and rubella pursuant to the health. And they're like, so they wash under the rug the entire experimental nature of these vaccines compared to the other ones that are a little more well-known. And even though other people have problems with them, which I respect, uh, this thing is completely new and it's entirely different uh, in terms of its method of producing uh, antibodies than the, other, than, than the previous vaccines. And, but look, what, look what's saying here. So essentially CTA is saying is like, we're all in on getting students vaccinated. All right, that's this part. But here's what it says. Look, look at, then it goes to staff vaccine requirement. The governor has directed the Department of Public Health to ensure that school staff are subject to vaccine requirements in, a, in parallel with establishing vaccine requirements for students attending in-person instruction. So I'm, and, and we've seen this in our group, students and workers for, um, uh, students and workers for, um, for chance, for choice, we know that workers have far more rights through unions and through federal law to to fight these vaccine requirements. Students, and we are seeing, have far fewer because education is a choice. And da 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 da. It very much looks to me, and we've seen this over and over again, that the students are being put on the front lines of being vaccinated, so that you can then draw the workers into the same thing. And it appears to me that. Students are pushed as pawns into this vaccination game, so workers can't make an excuse for not being vaccinated because all the students are vaccinated. And I think it's kind of stated here, which I think that's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, maybe this is a side note, but I uh, it just makes me think of again, like the, the kids that are wor- words of the state, right? And remember, like how the indigenous peoples, in, you know, in concentration camps were subjected to medical treatments, right? A, a medical procedures without their consent. And so the kids that are words of the state are gonna be subjected to, you know, a medical treatment, you know, and they have no rights, right? And, and, and with, with something, and, and when I bring up my mom, she, during COVID, she also got um, like a tetanus shot and she got a long list of, of you know, side effects, right? And, and and then she drew the parallel with this with the COVID vaccine. She also got that, you know, that was her choice. You know, I'm not mandating that or telling her I'll share my opinion, but she, it's her body, you know, and she makes her own choice. And so she she just stated that she didn't get anything. Who the you know like because because we don't know, and, you know, they probably know, but they don't want to tell us. You know, talking about the Pfizer or you know the experts. And, and those people that are subjected to, uh, you know, non-disclosure agreements and stuff when they participate in, you know, the studies. Um, 
And then also try be a whistleblower. You want to be a, a Edward Snowden, a Julian Assange, a Chelsea Manning? Right. That's the country we live in. And, and, you know, and again, it's not Democrats or Republicans. They all have been persecuted by both administrations, Obama and the Trump administration. Yeah. I, you know, I wanted to say that I heard uh, Dr. Monica Gandhi, who had advocated for schools to reopen, and she does promote vaccines. And I'm not sure where she stands with mandates, but maybe she does. I, I, I don't know. But she said something along the lines, and I remember reading that folks who had measles before 1963 don't get vaccinated. They have natural immunity. And there's no need to vaccinate people who have been exposed to and who have natural immunity from measles before 1963. Why then are we vaccinating? Are we having people get vaccinated who have like myself? I don't know if I have a state of my status here, but I'll find Maybe I'll stay with here, I'll debut. <laughs> um, but like me, I've gotten um, COVID three times um, and I'm still being encouraged to take the vaccine, but I've already got COVID three times, do you know? And I don't, I don't need it. I, I'm fine. And everyone, and I have an aunt who is, um, who is a nurse and she's trying to vaccinate me. And I'm, I don't want to be vaccinated. I'm, I, I'm perfectly fine. I mean, your vaccination, your immunity is just as, is, is weak and you have, can have breakthroughs and it's in the, you're endangering the public. You know, I'm not endangering the public. You know, my doctor told me that I have uh, immunity for three, three to nine months. Right. I mean, people have it longer. I mean, there are people who have been tested for SARS um, and still have antibodies to this day from that SARS epidemic before um, COVID. So anyhow, so that's it. Well, I think we can't pose those questions without also answering them. So why is it all these absurdities? Um, and it's because they're only absurd if you think these are about health and safety. They are not absurd if you understand that this is about control and surveillance and profits and efficiency. Um, and I wanna spell it out. It's like vaccine mandates, the full set of vaccine mandates across the country will require vaccine passports. And vaccine passports will require digital identification systems. And digital identification systems in the context of more remote learning and telemedicine and all things going remote will mean that more and more of all your transactions, everything you do, everything you produce, that has an online record through a phone or a digital record anywhere gets stored in blockchain and gets put into your digital ID. And they say it's private, but essentially means, oh, to go through various gates, you must expose, give us your information, give us your papers again. And of then of course, digital ID next to digital, um, with the digital uh, currency that's programmable and you can control it and you can influence how people spend their money. Now we're talking about a situation of, of virtually total control of, or, or more control uh, for, for our, our rulers. And more importantly, almost 24-7 data collection for the production of artificial intelligence so that they can actually produce better machines to monitor us and surveil us and to uh, produce better robots to attack us or imprison us or police us. But in the end, most of those robots are about replacing us. Most of that is about AI to replace lawyers, to replace teachers, to replace cab drivers, to replace service workers, 
all of us. That's this world. And why do they need to do that? Because U.S. is, US is, on, a, is on a competition for profits with China, and they think they're behind. And they are behind in terms of data collection, and they're trying to catch up. So that's how you have to understand this. That's why control is, is driven into all of this. And that's what that's what's happening with my 162-page document. It is a it's a document built to pray to the altar of AI development and controlling workers. We don't. I know people think that's absurd, but that's what it is. And you're considered stupid if you don't get them vaccinated. Right. Well, if you and, don't get vaccinated. That's correct. When when the vaccine itself is dangerous and it has real risks, and we can see that they even they even admit those things, even though they're trying to wipe those things off of theirs. And even though OSHA does not is not willing to collect information about workers who've had adverse effects, and OSHA actually says they won't collect it because they don't want people to get the idea that you shouldn't be vaccinated. They literally write that into OSHA language. So they say, we're not going to collect it right now because it might lead people to be vaccine hesitant. That's OSHA. So we have a full-on assault on us, and it's not even hidden. That part of it's not hidden. I do believe the big data analytics, it might be hard to see, but the rest of this, of control, of lies, it's out in the open. And people are like, what? I mean, and, and particularly, I have to say, the revolutionary left, literally praising it and praying to it and coming like comrades of mine, when I'm saying, look, I'm losing my job, they're like, you should lose your job because you're about to kill some kids unless you get vaccinated or reveal your status. That shit's on my wall on Facebook. Yeah. It's, uh, I also wanted to share my screen if you allow me a chance, please. Oh, hang on, hang on. I do want to um, add a quick thought, Eduardo. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just that, you know, I've started to question this whole um, narrative of worker shortage, you know, um, because especially like, you know, teachers, you know, there's a shortage supposedly in obviously it will get worse you know by getting rid of teachers and guess who's gonna replace that right and guess when you have fewer teachers with still some number of kids you can't teach them in classrooms you're gonna have to move towards a more remote situation you will have to move remote for the unvaccinated and you're gonna have to remove the remote for the few teachers the the growing the reduced numbers of teachers so they're trying to destroy public education because they know it it drives everything online. And, and I want to also add that that's, I find it suspicious, right, that there is more coverage about strikes, worker strikes. Generally, they don't give a shit. You know, the media doesn't. And so they're also covering, you know, in the medical healthcare, you know, there would be a shortage. There's a shortage in that. On key industries, you know, where they've already implemented, you know, some sort of technology and they have it at the, you know, on the side right now, and they can just put it back on. You know, in 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 obviously, you know, you know, Kaiser Permanente, right? Like the workers are. Uh, I don't know if they're striking or they're in in conversations, but um, you know, like the Kaiser, you know, the, our experience with doctor is remote now. You know, it's just that's that's normalized. So if they lose some nurses that want to demand higher wages and benefits, fuck yeah, like they have the technology to replace them. And if they don't. They're going to, by necessity, need to develop it. So that's going to be the, the, the test as they kick the tires of their own system for how well along. And that's why it's sort of like, let's lose these workers in stages.
and, and this, this is where the tech companies, right? Like they jump in and it's like, look, we have a problem for your troubles. Yeah. Yeah. We, oh, sorry, a solution for your troubles. Yeah. Yep. Well, you see my screen? Yeah. So I thought it was interesting that, of course, I shared this last time, but we didn't look at it. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but, you know, in the opinion piece here from the New York Times, it says here, don't go down the rabbit hole. Critical thinking, as we're taught to do it, isn't helping in the fight against misinformation. So this is the New York Times telling us not to critically think anymore. That we are we're we're not to do it anymore. We are to obey everything that we're told and fed. <laughs> and if you if you do critically think you're marked as stupid because look here an nba star and new york governors show that liberal COVID discourse is devoid of science the view that the unvaccinated are all stupid primitive and ignorant this is by glenn greenwald is getting more difficult to sustain especially as liberal policy contradicts its own core premises so this i thought the very beginning of this i think this is great it is virtually a religious belief in the dominant liberal culture that people who do not want the COVID vaccine are stupid, ignorant, immoral, and dangerous. Andy is dangerous, you see, endangering his students. And immoral. As large and immoral, yes, which we'll get to in your back in your 162-page document. As large sectors of the population continue to question or disobey their COVID decrees, they have begun to make more explicit their condescending explicit this condescending view. Liberals feel free to disparage them as, quote, stupid, notwithstanding long-standing, though diminishing racial disparities among this group. A CNN headline from the last month told part of the story, Black New Yorkers may have the lowest vaccination rates, but community groups refuse to give up. Citing data from the city's health agency, the network reported that citywide just 28% of Black New Yorkers between the ages of 18 and 44 are fully vaccinated. The Hispanic community is the second least fully vaccinated population in that age group, with 49% being fully vaccinated. You see, this is, again, people of color. You're mentioning about students. They're going to be the ones who are the highest rates of not fully vaccinated. And Two weeks ago, okay, I'm not going to read this. It's yet liberal elites continue to call anyone who is unvaccinated, stupid, ignorant, immoral. And this is, so, so I invite people to look at this. Uh, this is from Glenn Greenwald. but this is. This looks into the NBA player Jonathan Isaac of the Orlando Magic explains why he is hesitant to take the COVID vaccine in post-game press conference. And he has stated several times, I got COVID already. I know my body. I'm immune to it. I'm fine. But he is being hit hard. And on this one, Sean King did come forward and 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 and, and protected him on this one. But but I but I am just saying that it's it's difficult for even people who have know the large platform that he has yes kenny uh there is another player that has a bigger name actually kyle irving he plays for the new jersey uh, uh nets no no yeah. Brooklyn nets um and uh because new york is just like california right san francisco new york and san francisco he actually was forced to he retired because uh you know he's in his he still has years to play he has a, he makes a lot of money and he he has he was actually born in Australia, I think. I think he might also have some information, you know, what's going on over there. Mm. But he was forced to retire because uh, he didn't want to get it. And and then you know he has uh, voiced uh, a lot of these concerns of how he's portrayed as being stupid, ignorant, and anti-people. 
you know, and, uh, and, and highlight some of the hypocrisy because they played a whole season under COVID, you know, the players all together. Um, and so, yeah, so it's happening in many areas. Um, and people are, obviously, Kyle Irving has millions of dollars, but, you know, but people, you know, your average people, you know, not part of the um, working class aristocracy, they, they, you know, they, uh, they're, we, we are facing, you know, tougher choices, you know, not being able to see our families or, uh, you know, maybe. I mean, Nicki Minaj herself as well. Yeah. Questioning and saying, you know, just pray on it, she says on her Twitter. And it, you're and make sure you're comfortable with your decision and not bullied. And she was attacked, right? And I'm not a supporter of Nicki Minaj, nor do I think that she is my hero or whatever. I just think that what she is trying to say, you know, is just make your decisions based on what you want and don't get forced into it. And yet she was attacked horrendously, right? After from the left. And and then she herself was trying to say that Tucker Carlson was trying to protect her, but then it's like it, people have attacked her for for being in alignment with Tucker Carlson. Right. You know, I, I am glad though that you brought uh Glenn Greenwald and I, you know, because I do have started to hear uh, more people because at some point I was completely feel alone in, you know, in, in challenging things, but there are other people that are challenging this and they're being attacked. You know, uh, if some people aren't aware of the, um, what is it, Joe Rogan uh, and the uh, CNN doctor, you know, expert, yeah. Joe Rogan put into task, you know, in, in, in the lies <laughs> that CNN was saying, and CNN went as far as putting a yellow uh, filter to show him as being sick when he had COVID for one day. And he also used ivermectin as a part of multiple medicines, you know, therapeutics, uh, you know, that are completely denied in this country to people or, you know, or advised against, you know, yeah. in other countries, they actually do. I know that for a fact that my country, my family has had COVID, you know, I know that in El Salvador, they give that, you know, ivermectin as part of the cocktail that people should take, zinc, you know, vitamin C and all this stuff. Uh, you know, and again, but there is a, a war against uh, therapeutics or alternatives to the vaccine. You know that um, you know the vaccine is the savior, and and you know in in in, but it's also so insidious and 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 scary, terrifying to see people just regurgitate, uh, you know, the propaganda. My coworkers, you know, one of my coworkers told me, "What are you gonna use that horse shit medicine?" And I'm like, "Dude, you see, they were talking about ivermectin, right?" Right. And, and and not understanding what the fuck is ivermectin. We haven't even heard of ivermectin. You know, before most people, even though billions of people have used it around the world for many reasons, yeah. it's a novel. I think Eduardo, you made a uh, uh, you reference to the you know in, in the people who developed it won the Nobel Prize, <laughs> you know, in medicine. And so again, this is propaganda. It's constant, and, and it's like you're shaming you. Is is that whole thing, the identity politics type of stuff that we we talked about before? You know, years ago, like you know, at this point. And, and, and it's just coming to bite us in the ass now, you know, a, a lot of people. And and everyone's just committed to advancing this light to belong, you know. And like you said, like a, a lot of people that I've organized with, they're fucking cowards, you know. And, and, and you know, like we'll, we'll have to find a way to organize later. But there is no interrogation, not even about the COVID narrative, but all the evil shit that Joe Biden is doing, you know, that are same shit. And, and you know, uh, and she's taking, you know. He's escalating the war, right? On working people. We brought, we, we said that was going to happen. It's happening. You know, uh, we are in a police state, you know, and 
and uh, it's just scary. You know, the people are just going along with it because, you know, it, not even questioning, you know, in, 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 in silence, it's also, um, you know, participation to me at this point, you know, in, in, in especially with people that I've organized with and like, you know, I understand you have questions, but, but I feel like I'm dirty now. You know, and 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 I think we shared that similar experience. So it, so it's scary because now even the people that have put some resistance in the past, right, together, now even that is fragmented. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I wanted to show a clip, but it's fine. You want to show that with the guy talking about his um. I think it's funny. <laughs> oh. Just one minute, Andy. Hold on. Bear with me. I think we have to. I do. But but, but what? But uh, so so for you, Joe Rogan. Yes. I would say you've had it. Yes. So now get one shot of the vaccine. No. Why not? Because I have better immunity than I would if I was vaccinated. We so right? Yes. Don't I? I think your immunity is really good. So why, if I've already gotten through COVID and I was really only sick for a day, and then five days later I was negative? And I, I do have the natural antibodies now. Why would I take a chance in getting vaccinated on top of that? By the way, I'm glad you're, you're, you're better. I'm Thank glad you. it only lasted a day. You're probably really the am. only one at CNN that's glad. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not. The rest of them are all lying about me taking Hork's medication. <laughs> and we should talk about that. That bothered you. It should bother you, too. They're well, lying I, at your network about people taking human drugs versus drugs for it, veterinary. Calling it a horse dewormer is not a flattering thing. I get it's that. It's a lie. It's a lie on a news network, it, it, and it's a lie that's a willing, that's that's a lie that they're conscious of. It's not a mistake. Yeah. They're unfavorably framing it as veterinary medicine. Well, the FDA put this thing out. You saw that. Did you see that thing that the FDA put out? What did the FDA put out? <laughs> it was a tweet, and it was snarky. I admit it. They said, you are not a horse, you are not a cow, stop taking this stuff, or something like that. Why would you say that when you're talking about a drug that's been given out to billions and billions of people, a drug that was responsible for one of the inventors of it making the Nobel Prize the Nobel Prize in 2015? Yeah. yeah no, a, a drug well, that has been shown to stop viral replication in vitro. You know that, right? I, I, Why would they lie? And say that's horse dewormer. I can afford people medicine, motherfucker. <laughs> this is ridiculous. It's just a lie. I don't think anyone is thick. But don't you think that a lie like that is dangerous on a news network when you know that they know they're lying? Yeah, I do recommend people watching that because there's more to it. Um, you know, and again, they br they bring out the the filter. The CNN goes to that length, right, to discredit. Uh, and and then the the medical professional. You know, he is staying quiet. He is the expert on the network. And, you know, like a person of color, right? Like fucking love your, your labels, you know, uh, being a, an instrument for, you know, pushing a narrative that, you know, mainstream is pushing, really, you know. And, and but again, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that this is happening because uh, I, I watched this on the Jimmy Dore, actually. He brought attention to that. And he's actually showing opposition to you know the mandates and all this stuff even though he and his staff is vaccinated he's like no this is just completely you know inhumane and um you know and so many other things and just the lies you know i just but i'm glad there are at least a couple of people with some you know decent following you know exposing a lot of these lies i think this is a good opportunity for us to return yeah, I have a few just to points. say, 
I do want to say though that Jimmy Dore um, isn't just vaccinated. He's describing himself as having the conditions of long COVID, long haul COVID from the vaccines because he never got COVID. So he actually is somebody who would have submitted his information to VAERS and, and have and has had very adverse effects. And they're trying to use treatments to try to help him. And he's part of a study for recovering from the effect of the vaccine. You know that. Um, and there are other people who have advocated for the vaccine who have gotten, you know, side effects. You know, like I think I saw it in Jimmy Dore, like an ear ringing uh, of some sort for some people. Tinnitus, yeah. Yeah. And so. So should I return here, Eduardo? Well, maybe let's return to the chart. Well, finish up here with the discussion of the charges because we've heard about, you know, um, a lot of about lying, about people trying to make money um, and about kids being used as tools to force procedures on workers. Um, and the fact is, is that all of these institutions, the CTA, the government, the corporations, our media are all thoroughly immoral at the very least. And um, now I'd like to get to these charges that are on me because you're going to see why they claim I'm immoral. Um, so this is a statement of charges. Your conduct is described above, including your disregard of the opinions and directives of responsible state and local health authorities, your violation of the policies and directives of the San Francisco Board of Education for the protection and well-being of our staff, students, school communities, and the advice and counsel of your superiors and representatives constitutes one, willful, persistent, and continuing violation of the district's policies and the school's laws of the state of California. Two, immoral conduct, that is conduct which is hostile to the health welfare of your students, colleagues, and the public, inconsistent with rectitude, demonstrative of willful and flagrant indifference to the opinions of the responsible authorities and respectable members of the community and demonstrative of an inconsiderate of uh, an inconsiderate attitude towards good order and the public welfare. And last, willful refusal to perform regular assignments without reasonable cause. Uh, I don't know whether the rest of this is worth reading. It basically just says, for that reason, we're going to put you under a 30-day suspension because we don't think you're going to listen to anything other than a harsh punishment. Um, and then when you come back, we want to make sure you are, if you're not fully vaccinated, get your COVID PCR test. Uh, when they say here you are familiarize yourself with the board 40419 policy, that's essentially um, and uh, familiarize yourself and follow. When they say that, that's their way of saying sign the form. This is that's what they mean here because that's that's my violation is is I'm not signing the form and it's in violation of board policy 40194 40 policy board policy 4019 is largely used for the kind of conduct like treat kids well, don't hit them, you know, don't do really inappropriate things. That's the kind of stuff they're talking. Generally, that's what's preserved in that area, as well as, you know, social media usage and things like that. Here, they're putting under board policy 040019, my unwillingness to fill out my information on a smart sheets vaccination form. Um, so, <sighs> and then they're right to the hearing. Um, so I just, when I read that immoral conduct stuff, I literally thought about Nathaniel Hawthorne and the Salem 
like the way he describes like Parson Brown and the language of the witch hunts, you know, like, or that period, you know, moral rectitude, you know, it's just, it's actually this, the fact that they actually wrote that is insane to me. It's like, and I'm, I'm telling you, my colleagues in, in the, in the staff will read that and they kind of don't bat an eye. Like, they're just like, Oh, I hope Andy's all right. But they don't read this and think, what the hell world are we living in? And that is the reason I'm doing this. <laughs> I am pushing back to force to sh- force them to show their hand. And and frankly, they're showing their hand like fabulously. Like they're exposing all their themselves here. Like we've been able to tear this thing to shreds, just just a little bit of it. And and yet, people still want to hold on to the notion that there's really a battle of differences of how to keep us safe here. This has nothing to do with views of how to keep us safe. The school district is an is a tool of the capitalists. They're trying to smash workers. That's all they're trying to do. And students are future workers who themselves will need to be smashed. And they are going and they know that when they say these kids have to get vaccinated that a bunch of these kids aren't going to get vaccinated and they are going to drive them into the remote hell that they already say that they found out existed last year and that they knew anyway. So these people this is not a lack of knowledge of this. They know what they're doing. And it is it, what they're doing is completely immoral. And that's why they have to put it on people like me. And, and I think anyone who resists this, anyone who resists the, who shows a, a flagrant indifference to the opinions of the responsible authorities, those are the people who are going to get, get it. And, and that, that right to me is a summary of where we're at right now. I mean, I also think it's, uh, as you had already stated, that this is going to be used as an example for other teachers to see. Again, you know, just reiterating that point that, you know, none of this happening is really about public health. You know, like if they cared about public health and the well-being of people, you know, we would have simple things as, you know, you know, uh, I guess, healthcare, right? <laughs> good healthcare, um, you know, good housing, you know, good food. And, uh, you know, we know that these institutions collude all the time, conspired against the people, the safety, the well-being, you know, talking about the FDA, the CDC, you know, Colin Powell just passed away. And, you know, there was another talking head, right? Like pushing fucking lies. And, you know, Dr. Fauci is Colin Powell to me, you know, and, you know, that their job is to shove shit down our throats, yeah. uh, manipulate partial truths, I think, in some instances, and in other words, just straight up lie. Um, and in order to do the bidding of the state, uh, and again, this, is, this has nothing to do with public health, in my view. It, it's everything to do with capitalism. I think there is cognitive dissonance on the left, you know, I think there's cognitive dissonance on the right that, you know, that they want to accuse socialism of this shit, you know, when it's straight up fucking capitalism, you know, like, you know, what world are you, where you at? You know, it's again, cognitive dissonance on the left who, you know, supposedly we are anti-capitalist, right? Supposedly, at least some, you know, some branch, you know, leftists, Marxists, anarchists, even anarchists like online that have fucking like sided with the state. <laughs> You know, um, and 
And so it's been a fucking massive win for the the capitalist class. And, you know, we, we are even more fragmented than we were before, I think. Um, and, and so again, understanding this through a public health lens is not gonna get you answers, you know, and, you know, you stare at the very, you stay at the very surface of things. And so, um, you know, at least for the people who are anti-capitalist, you know, I would say, you know, open your fucking eyes because, you know, the winter is coming. If you've seen Game of Thrones. I will say something about the fragmentation. I do think that's changing. I think with the, with the, there now that these walkouts were starting, there were no walkouts that I know of in the Bay area, but there were in San Diego and there were in LA. Um, and we are even in our own group, workers and students for choice. There is the coming together of people and, like reaching out, the police chief is inviting us over to talk to their lawyer tomorrow. Like there is a slow coming together of people to try to figure out if we can build an alternative. So I actually think, the, I actually feel like in terms of our response, our worst days are a bit behind us because the left is just the left and the socialists are the socialists. And actually I do get why the right wing thinks that this is socialism because socialists are pushing this crap and then so-called communists in China are being talked to me. So in reality, I think there's more, I would claim there's more cognitive dissonance on the left than there is among the conservatives who actually, because they hear these people talk who, who claim socialism and they want a lockdown, they want vaccinations for everyone. You know, it's like, so I get it at one level, but I actually think for the movement, I think we're com we're in the beginning of coming together. Um, and of course, in Europe, things are much more advanced. But I think there is something taking place in the United States when you begin to see like Michael Caine talking with people in the Black Lives Matter, having these interesting debates about coming together, about the possibility of working with police and actually having a real question about whether that's possible or not, but engaging in that question and not in some fake way. So um, because it... It's, it's like what we've been talking about in terms of trying to build a, a, a can the left and the right come together, even if we even as we agree on the opposition to mandates and things like that. So I am I am. I think capitalism is going to continue to pu to push various waves of tsunamis onto us that are much bigger than the movement that we currently have can deal with. But I actually do feel like we're in the beginning of a building of something. Um, it's early. Uh, and I think we made a contribution by doing our workers and students for choice and launching that back in August and other people are doing a similar thing. The last thing I'll say is I am being contacted by like my union is not doing jack shit and my union members aren't doing anything, but I'm talking to workers in Roosevelt, Roseville, Lodi and Modesto. And they're like, they have not been doing union stuff before, but they want to, they know I have, and they want advice on how, to organize in some ways in opposition to their union, but it, but to fight these mandates and that stuff's happening and they're actually connecting each other in, in, in different districts. So those are in red, red regions of California. Um, but if we're open to, to people from different viewpoints who are willing to fight these mandates and open to working with them, we're going to have some opportunities to learn from each other because there is something they can learn from some of us who've organized but we can learn from 
them as well in terms of their ability to actually get people to come to come together. So I'm 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 pessimistic because I think we're going to get beaten in the end of this. <laughs> I do think this ends in World War III in terms of my bet. I will carry on despite that because I feel like I have no choice. But I will say we are at the beginning of building something here, uh, at least in the United States and in California. So that's what it feels like to me. I do hope that is the case because like, I, I, on my end, I, I feel a little defeated, you know, in terms of, you know, the inability to freely move, you know, and yeah, and uh, my options are very small, you know, right now I am on a fucking island and yeah. I think a lot of us are fighting on an island. We we are talking, you know, and, and I do hope that it grows into action, you know, and because at the moment it just feels that fragmented, like, yes, we are talking, but we are still isolated in our own little ways. That is the case. That is the case. But the talking is the beginning. And I hope, yeah, I do hope so. You know, and, and and I hope it grows into you know like uh, I think you all talked about in the episode I wasn't part of the, the left and the right, you know about creating trust networks, right? And 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 you know because I if we are right, you know this is not going to be the end of it. It's not. It's not. This is not about a vaccine, you know. And so there will have to be you know some sort of form of resistance that will rely on trust you know, and report with people. Yeah. So again, asking you, what do you think is next, you know, when it comes to this? Um, we'll have the hearing. Of, I'm going to, on Friday, I'm going to uh, ask for that hearing. That's the last day I can ask for it. They'll schedule the hearing. We'll have it. And um, then we'll see what happens from that hearing. I predict there'll be a suspension. So, um and the only thing I think that could save me is the inconvenience that's happening from me not being in school right now for the students, for administration. And if parents start to get irritated that this is going on too long, I think that's, that's, I think the legal case I can make and the logical case I can make for me feels fairly airtight that what they're doing is wrong. Um, but that, as we know, that doesn't matter. Like um, the analogy I was using is like uh, the, the this this COVID moment is like a tank, and laws and logic are like razor wire, and COVID just goes right through it. The fear around COVID. You just look at HIPAA; it's irrelevant. Yeah, like not. It's not reasonable for me to be. For, for me to be set, setting myself on federal law or California law that preserves medical confidentiality. Like they're saying that's unreasonable. Like it's, it's nuts to me. Then do you, do you know what's happening with kids? Like do they have a substitute teacher or? They yeah, have... they're having pretty much a different substitute each day. Hmm. So much for caring about their education. <laughs> because right? we love our communities and our students. <laughs> Jesus. I guess we will follow up. Next yeah, week we'll well, thank you for this time. And um, this was actually good to go through this document in the way that we did. I think this has prepared me a little bit more too. So, Yeah. All right. Well, let's conclude. Well, that does it for this week's episode. 
Um, What's Left is a weekly political podcast slash channel challenging the mainstream left. We post information about our topics and our guests on the episode notes where we found this episode or on our blog at what-s-left.com. Uh, you can find past episodes to this podcast slash channel there and connect with us. Uh, I remind folks, if you like anything you have heard here, please share your favorite episode, rate, review, subscribe to any of our platforms on podcasts, Spotify, iTunes Podcast, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, BitChute. Odyssey, O-D-Y-S-E-E, or YouTube and on Telegram. Um, and if you would like to give us feedback about something you've heard or suggest something for us to cover, contact us through our blog. I'm Eduardo Barca with co-host Kenny Cepeda and Andy Lipson. Thank you all very much. And good luck, Andy, and happy two weeks now. It's been two weeks. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, I left it because I was washing. Uh-oh. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't. I didn't have my ring on the whole time. Can you believe? Uh -oh. that? No one said anything. No one. We did. Eduardo, no let that happen again. Kenny, <laughs> when I wash dishes, I put it on a little thing. So, but thank you, thank you. Well, that does it. See you next time. Ciao. <laughs> Bye.